My pleasure to be joined by the Attorney General of the state of Connecticut, and that's William Tong, who got a little emotional yesterday while talking about health insurance rates and collaboration with other attorney generals. William, good morning. Thanks for joining me today. And tell the folks what your message was yesterday about insurance rates. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Wayne. Good morning, Willimantic and Wyndham. Uh, I've calmed down since yesterday, uh, thankfully. Um, I was pretty frustrated, got a little hot there because I'm tired uh, year after year of, of going in and fighting these um, unbelievably high health insurance rates. Year after year, they seem to come back and want ever more money for these huge companies, uh, and, and it doesn't seem like they ever do anything to push costs down and to manage this spike in health insurance costs that's been going on year after year after year. And, and I just finally said, you guys have to do something to control costs and to manage costs. You know what I learned yesterday? They don't even sit down, the health insurers don't even sit down with the big hospital systems and providers and negotiate line by line every single uh, service and and rate of reimbursement for every you know every procedure and treatment they provide and and I I basically just said you're kidding me you know how do you control costs by not if you don't sit down and negotiate each and every service so I urge the insurance department to reject those rates and not to increase rates as high as 10 15 20 percent. Um, and hopefully they, they will hear me. I saw your emotional outburst, your emotional response. Now, what kind of response did you get from them, if any? Uh, you know, basically blank stares. Um, uh, they can't have, have not known that, that I would be aggressive uh, and that I would push back and uh, advocate for um, the department rejecting these rates. I mean, I've been attorney general now for five years. It's hard to believe. So they knew they were going to what they were going to get. But what what surprises me is that uh, when we ask them questions like about the negotiating um, each and every service, it, it's called each and every service is known as a unit cost. So uh, when I asked them about it, I just got basically blank stares and no real answers. You know, and and that's what's really frustrating. They weren't even they didn't even try. Hey, I want names. I want numbers. I want license plates here. When you talk about health insurance companies, give me some examples. Call them out. Yeah, Cigna, uh, Anthem, Connecticut, uh, at least two of the three biggest health insurance companies on earth. I'm an Anthem insured in the state employee health care plan. And, and let me just, it, not to nerd out too much, I know it's not even 8 a.m., but but one of the things that that they put in their application is that the trend of healthcare spending is is ever increasing, and so they need more money to to deal with the trend. You know, basically how much it's going to cost, and this is a forecast. But the problem is that they're they're asking for increases based on trend of of eight percent, ten percent, twelve percent, when. We know from objective data, data that the industry relies on, um, various indexes say that trend is more like 2%, 3%, 5%. And so, I, you know, I, I basically I, I said to them, why, why if the objective data tells us that that trend is only increasing 2% uh, to like 5%, 
why are you asking for uh, increases in rates as high as, uh, based on trend, as high as 8%, 9%, 10%? And, and over two years, you know, once you build all this together, people are going to see increases in their rates as high as uh, 20 25%. That's just unsustainable. The way I look at it is this, Wayne. Uh, people listening, did you guys see a 10%, 20% increase in your wages this year? in the money that, that you're seeing come in the door in your small business? For most people, of course not. And so how can we, how can we afford health care spending for ourselves and our families that far outstrips our ability to pay? Let me guess, are they using the pandemic as one reason why they continue to spike rates? Yeah, they, they keep talking about the pandemic. Um, you know, one of the insurers said that, that we, we needed an extra, uh, uh, they added a factor of, of 0.8. You know, the math uh, is a little complicated, but let's just say that's a meaningful addition. Uh, they added a factor of 0.8 to their rates uh, because of historic changes in the marketplace. And so I said to them, I asked a question, well, what historic changes? Oh, well, you know, we had a pandemic, yes, uh, and there's potentially some changes in state and federal law, like what? You know, it's just it's, it's kind of this boilerplate, not specific uh, industry mumbo-jumbo that, that, that they think justifies taking millions more from Connecticut families, and I've just had it. So what's the next step in this process? Is it a standoff, or might some progress actually take place? Well, um, you know, it's slow, and uh, what I said to them, what I said to the department is, you've got to reject these rates. Last year, the same thing happened when they when they asked for even more money, and the department, uh, the 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 insurance department cut their request. It still gave them uh, part of what they wanted, but not all of what they wanted. So I'm hoping that that's a trend, and that this year they'll do the same thing, but they'll cut them even more. Um, interestingly, uh, this afternoon I'm going to be talking about electricity rates. And uh, if anybody pays attention to that market, there's a there's a major uh, event happening where United Illuminating, which serves about a third of uh, electricity customers in the state, they went in asking for 131 million in new money. And basically, the public utilities regulatory said, public utilities regulatory authority said, no way. And and basically. Uh, it gave them two million out of the 131 million. So basically, it didn't it didn't give them anything, and and that that I don't have to tell you has has rocked the electricity and utility world. And I'm hoping that the insurance regulators, the health insurance regulators, see what's happening in the utility space, and and get some inspiration from that and get tougher with these health insurers. And as you said, even though UI is basically southwestern Connecticut, Fairfield County, is there a bigger picture involved here? This could eventually have an effect on trying to contain rates for those of us around here who are Eversource customers. You know, actually, this all started with Aquarian. Eversource is getting ever bigger, and Eversource bought Aquarian, which is you know, the state's largest water utility, um, and uh, uh, with Aquarian, Aquarian went in looking for a big increase and didn't get it, and that was sort of a shot across the bow. And then, um, and then UI came in and um, 
uh, frankly, they're they're freaking out now. And um, the new decision or the decision uh, is a draft decision, but it'll be finalized by Friday. And uh, and I'm hoping that Pura stands firm, uh, the Public Utilities Regulatory Authority, and sticks to uh, what they said and, um, and and doesn't give them the millions upon millions more that they want. And, and it, here's the other thing I want to say, which is um, there's a new concept that the legislature and uh, all of us policymakers here in Connecticut have introduced, and, and that is known as uh, performance-based rate making. And, and, and what that means, in short, is you got to deliver, right? You've got to you've got to do a good job. If you don't do a good job, we're not going to give you um, the rates that you want. You're not going to make the money that you want until you show up for the people of the state and deliver. And, and you know, UI is a let's be fair, a good company. And and I think a lot of people think that um, UI service is, you know, in general terms reliable, but their customer service in certain respects is lacking. Their response to uh, some of the tropical storms in in recent years, not as good as it could have been, not as bad as some others, but not as good as it could have been. And and Pura saying, you got to do better. Attorney General William Tong joining us this morning, changing gears. Last week, an appeals court upheld some limits on a, the abortion pill, Mifepristone, setting up a high-stakes Supreme Court review. What was your reaction to that? Well, I'm in that battle, as you know, and uh, my reaction is I'm not surprised by what the Fifth Circuit did. This is a federal appeals court in Texas. Uh, but, again, at the risk of being a little complicated, basically what happened was a bunch of uh, radical extremist doctors, if you can believe that, went into district court, the trial court in Texas, uh, in a federal court. They judge shopped and found a judge that would write the opinion they wanted him to write. And he tried to outlaw uh, mifepristone, which is, is, which is a drug. It's one half of the, the, the two drugs that you take for a medication abortion. Medication abortion, by the way, is about half the abortions in this country. Uh, you know, medication abortion mean uh, uh, an abortion you take uh, or you receive by using pills. And uh, it's about half the abortions in this country. Thousands upon thousands of Connecticut women um, have uh, safely used mifepristone and have um, chosen to receive a medication abortion for 20 years now. And, and millions of American women, too, have safely used Mifepristone, and so um, these doctors went into Texas federal court and and tried to get um, that judge to say that the FDA wrongfully approved mifepristone. Well, I knew that we needed to go on offense, so I joined with a bunch of attorneys general, and we went to federal court in Washington state, and we got a federal judge there. We filed our own case to say actually no, mifepristone was. Uh, was approved properly by the FDA. And so we have our own court order that is a direct counterweight um, and, 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 frankly, a firewall for Connecticut and, and patients and women here in Connecticut because our court order protects Connecticut and the other states that join me in that action. So now the original Texas case um, went to the Court of Appeals. The Court of Appeals agreed with 
the Texas court, and that will go to the Supreme Court. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, the Supreme Court um, sent a signal early on uh, in some procedural motions that that maybe um, it will go our way on this issue. I'm not so sure, but we'll see. You've also issued a warning for state residents about illegal gambling platforms. Tell us which ones are okay and which ones you shouldn't be using. Well, in Connecticut, um, the only legal gambling platforms are um, either in person um, or uh, at, at the at the two major casinos. Obviously, the lottery is legal, or um, if you want to do sports getting sports betting and and online gaming, you got to go through um, uh, Foxwoods or Mohegan Sun or um, any operator licensed by the Connecticut Lottery. So, uh, unfortunately, I don't have to tell you. Um, anybody who has a phone knows there's a proliferation of online gaming, online poker. Uh, all of this, most of it is run offshore um, in, you know, in other countries, uh, in the Caribbean, and um, none of it is, uh, is safe, and uh, none of it is uh, backed by a major um, financial institution, uh, most of it not by any major recognizable casino. And so you can't be sure that if you if you play with them and put your money uh, with them, that that either you'll get your money back or if you win, you'll get paid. And and related to that, um, you can be targeted for scam activity by these casinos um, who can run different scams around their games or around promotions or just because they have your name uh, and uh, email and, and credit card information. So my advice to people is, is know that these are these are sketchy, not regulated, often fly-by-night operations, and and not safe for you and your money. And you're just asking for trouble if you use and and play on one of these platforms. And your money and your personal info may not be protected. I was intrigued also that you tweeted out or X'd, whatever they call it now, out, please report any illegal gambling to DCP, Consumer Protection, which in the big picture raised this question in my mind. If people do have issues, if people do have complaints, not just on this case, but here's one example, how do they reach out? Do they reach your office? Do they do Consumer Protection? Do they do the Better Business Bureau? How do you know who to complain to? Yeah. Uh, both, either or. So um, wherever you want to go, um, you can start by calling uh, the Department of Consumer Protection. They have frontline authority and ability to help consumers if you have any kind of issue. If you bought a used car and you weren't treated properly, or if you feel like you've been the victim of a scam, um, you can call the Department of Consumer Protection. You can also call the Office of the Attorney General my number is 868-808-5000, 860-808-5000, or just Google me and um, go to my website and, and fill out the complaint form. What you shouldn't do is, is make a complaint on, on social media, on Facebook or on the, the artist formerly known as Twitter or 
you know, any number of online um, social media or places where someone might leave a message, don't do that um, because we need a, a complaint and as much information as you can buy, provide so we can do something about it. Um, and if you just, you know, put something up on Twitter, um, you know, it's not guaranteed that anyone's going to see it and we don't have all the information we need. So make a complaint with either us or DCP. You can also reach out to your state legislator, and, and, and they can sometimes help, or they'll reach out to us for help. Uh, and in your area, Susan Johnson, May Flexer, and others. So those are the right folks to go to. And lastly, speaking of social media, you've also been on the warpath about incorrect information on social media. What kind of powers do you have over that? Well, that's misinformation, disinformation. That's a huge universe of, um, of misconduct, frankly, and uh, uh, risks to people, particularly young people. So what we know is that, and if you're a parent like I am, I have a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 12-year-old, you know there's a ton of, of, of bad and harmful content um, on social media, on Instagram, on TikTok, Kids are being encouraged um, to the, through these challenges to engage in risky or dangerous behavior. So we're putting a lot of pressure on TikTok and, and Instagram and Facebook to clean up their act, and it should be no surprise that they're not doing it quickly enough or as well as, as they need to. And so um, we're investigating and may take legal action against them. Stay tuned. I'm amazed that with a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 12-year-old, you have time to do all this other stuff, but you do a great job on it. Attorney General, a pleasure to have our monthly visits. Thanks for joining me this morning. Talk to you soon, Wayne. That's Connecticut Attorney General William Tong on 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.